If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be uh, looking at the book of 2 Timothy today. Um, and just uh, hopefully be encouraged in that. Some of the, the verses will appear on screen as well as we go through them. But um, I don't know if you know much about the, the history um, and the background for the book of Timothy and Paul's. Uh, Paul wrote these uh, two epistles, uh, which are letters to Timothy. And this particular one was written by Paul when he was in jail in Rome. And so Paul himself was not in a very good position, but the relationship that he had with Timothy is that he saw Timothy as his spiritual son, and Timothy was someone that Paul wanted to encourage and wanted to spur on. And it feels like if you read the book of Second Timothy, that Timothy has been through some stuff. You know, he's been going through it a bit. And in my mind, he seems... a he seems to be flagging a bit. I don't know if that's a good word, but it's the word I want to use a bit today is flagging. And it means you're kind of just a bit down, a bit despondent, a bit kind of drained. And there are lots of things going on. And, and you can only imagine there are some things. In the, in the epistle, uh, Paul challenges um, Timothy about someone, some of the people who are coming against Paul, who are um, kind of bringing false doctrine, and so you get the impression that Timothy's been in this kind of battle and, and he's struggling a bit. And so Paul's writing to Timothy to try and encourage him in this situation. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I've been flagging a bit recently. I've been, you know, sometimes in life you feel like you've, you've gone a few rounds and you feel like you're struggling, your, your energy might be low. And, and I've been flagging a bit. A lot of water. <laughs> Thank you, Will. And, and, and you go through seasons, because sometimes in life, to be honest, I feel like I'm the boxer who's coming out at the beginning of a fight. And you know when they come out and they've got their hood up and they're ready and their music's going and you're like, yeah, I can do all things through Christ. He gives me strength. And you're like really pumped and you're really going for it. You, you know, when the sun comes up in the morning, you spring out of bed and you're like, I'm going to take on the world for Christ today. But there are also seasons where you're like, you want to pull the duvet back over your head and just stay in there a bit longer, snuggle up, and just not face anything. There, is, there are times in life when you just want to curl up and just hope that everyone goes away and, and, and that life is just uh, going to pass you by a bit. And, and to be honest, I've been through a bit of that season and you feel you're flagging and you feel... And it's hard because when you know that there's so much more in life, there's so much more that God wants for you and what you're currently living is not really what you know that you should be and again it's not as a criticism it's just like you just know you're not where you you can be where you want to be and so I think Timothy was in a similar situation he'd been through the mill it's interesting that in the book of Timothy uh, Paul often comes out with these analogies and he in chapter two he talks about um, the Christians who are like soldiers or farmers but also like athletes and as a lot of you know, um, it's actually about a year, my year's anniversary of starting to run. Now, I wouldn't quite call myself an athlete. Um, that's maybe a bit of a far-fetch. 
But through doing these sort of things, you do learn a lot of lessons. Um, and so the believer's life can be a bit like um, an athlete. And when you're running, there are different things that impact you when you run. Uh, and some of these are outside. Now, yesterday I, I ran and it was kind of miserable, a bit miserable. I don't know if you were up yesterday morning around nine o'clock. It was really windy. Um, it was kind of, it was threatening to rain, a little bit rainy. So it wasn't too bad, but it wasn't ideal uh, temperature. The week before, it was actually really warm. And again, so you're trying to run, and that's when you need your water because, you know, there are things in life that can be external that are influencing you. But there are also things internal and the things that maybe are a bit more within your control that influence you. So I know that if I'm running on a Saturday, if I've done no training during the week, no preparation, I'm going to struggle a bit more. Now, after a while, as you build up general fitness... This is my running tips. Um, as you build up general fitness, you can do it, but you're not as good as you could have been had you done some training during the week. And actually, when we do training in the week, you, you notice a lot of difference. The other thing, maybe there's injury. I did go out this week, during the week, and my knee just went, and I couldn't run. And so I've kind of been taking it easy, and then come, when Saturday came around and I went for a run, I just was a very conscious about my injury and the potential of doing any damage. So I thought, you know, I'll just take it easy. Um, and so that sort of thing impacts you. And then you've got things like food. So you've got your general uh, health, and obviously if you just eat rubbish all week, it's not very good, but particularly Friday night. Like I'm very conscious now what I eat on Friday night because if I go for a big blowout meal... Saturday morning is not good. And I'm, I'm going to try and run around and it's, my stomach's going, what are you doing? And, and it's pretty tricky. Even sun, Saturday morning, you think, you can't get up and have a full English, then go for a run. I don't advise it. Maybe someone can. I can't. I, I might have a banana and, and some water. And that's about it. And so there are all these things that can have an impact on, on your running and your ability to run, and we can kind of trans, transfer that into a spiritual dimension, you know, if we think about the external factors that influence our, our life, if we think about um, the training that we do, how we equip ourselves, how we prepare ourselves, if we can think about injuries, about wounds that we might be carrying and how we feel about those, if we think about our food and what we eat and how we prepare. And it's funny that I even I remember, you know, when you, you deal a lot with kids' work and youth work and, and it, then moving into young adults, hopefully there's a point where we learn this lesson. It's like coming to church on a Sunday, if you've been out nightclubbing the night before, it's quite hard. You know, to then, like, people are like, oh, I really struggled to get up. Yeah, no wonder. And so sometimes, like, if you want to be on, on your game spiritually, you know, you've got to think about these things. The other side of running is about settling and... There is a point, and I've got to the point now when I run, that I can do a certain pretty decent time pretty easily. And, and I'm, I, it's okay. Like yesterday I ran, and, you know, not bad. And, but I didn't, I wouldn't say I didn't break a sweat, but, you know, it, it didn't tax me in any way. And again, in spiritually in life, we can get into this place where we get into a rhythm, we get into a, a pattern, and we're not doing as much as we can. 
Like, I ran, what did I run yesterday? 27 and a half minutes, which isn't bad, but I know I can run a lot better. I can know I can run a lot faster. But I was right, quite happy, particularly because of my dodgy knee, to run at that slower pace. And so sometimes in life, we can just kind of get into that kind of pace of complacency, a place of settling. But the other thing that actually happened yesterday, um, I, I was thankful that it wasn't just me running, that Tano turned up with me as well. And so Tano was going to run with me. And again, it gave me a great excuse. I thought, I'm going to run with Tano because Tano's a bit slower than me. Um, so I can run with him. And so it wasn't, my slower time wasn't a waste because I thought, actually, here's a great chance to encourage someone else. And so I did some pace, pace setting with Tano. And so I was pushing him and all the way around. And again, it's really probably quite annoying when someone, you're running with someone um, who's faster than you and you're like, I'm dying. And they're like, keep going, keep going. And they're all chirpy and chipper. And, and you're like, I don't know if I can make it. Um, and so... But it was a good way of actually coming around. Actually, Tanner was quite grateful for this because it pushed him to do better. And again, there's a great spiritual picture in this that as we're walking the Christian life, we need others who are going to propel us on to do better. And if you want to run faster, you need to find someone who's faster than you. Because if you want to run faster and you just run with people who are slower than you, you'll run slower. You're not going to get to where you want to be. And, and I wonder, if, when we think about this picture of Paul and Timothy, that Timothy, Paul was in a position like, look, you're flagging a bit. You've tired. Maybe you've got some injuries. You've got some wounds. You've got all this stuff that's been going on, all these things outside you, people coming against you but I want you to run faster. I don't want you to fall back. I don't want you to flag behind. I want you to push on and I want you to excel because I know you can. And sometimes we need this word. And so the, the, the message today, I said this is for the flaggers. This is for the weary. This is for the disillusioned, the, the battered, the downhearted. I don't know if that's you today. And if you are, you can say amen because you need the word of us today, of God today. I was encouraged. If you, you read in John 14, 26, I don't know if you can bring that up, Dave. And we're remembering about the Holy Spirit today. It said, this is, Mark sent this verse out uh, this morning, I think it was. It said, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, the Holy Spirit is here today, and we're so needing his work in our hearts. Do you need his work in your hearts this morning to teach you this morning, to bring to remembrance? Because I can say stuff, but unless the Holy Spirit quickens it in your heart, then, then we're not going to get very far. So I really pray this morning that your heart is open to the Holy Spirit. And then I was looking at Isaiah 55:11. I'm going to bring that up as well. It says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I believe the word of God is here today. And this, again, it's not because of me. It's because the word of God is alive. And if you want to, I encourage you this morning to be open to the word of God. 
And there's been prayers and encouragements already this morning that I think if we're open to the word of God, that God's going to bring change, he's going to bring revelation. And I hope today that if we're open to God, he's going to move us forward as we encourage one another in this. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's turn to our text in the book of 2 Timothy. We're going to start in verse 3. And Paul says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remembered your tears, I longed to see you, that I may be filled with joy. You know, sometimes when we're, when we're flagging, when we're down, when we're struggling, we feel quite alone. And I don't know if anyone feels quite alone. You know, there's that moment when, it reminds me of um, Elijah, when he's just had that big battle on Mount Carmel. And he's, then in the next moment, he's like, feeling all despondent, all despair, and like, God, there's only me, no one else is around. And sometimes we have that, that feeling of, I'm all on my own. We can feel isolated, even in a room full of people. We can sit here, maybe even right now, and feel just, I'm on my own. No one understands me, no one gets me. No one is struggling like I'm struggling. No one's going through it like I'm going through it. And Paul brings this encouragement to Timothy. And it's these two things he says to him, I'm thinking of you. And not just thinking, he says, I'm praying for you. And then he says, you're wanted. He's like, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking, even though we're far away, um, Paul's in Rome, which is in Italy, and uh, Timothy is probably in Ephesus, which is Turkey, Turkey? somewhere around there. Um, yeah, so they're quite away, but yet Paul is saying, you know what, even though we're at distance, even though we're far away, I'm thinking of you. You're in my thoughts, you're in my prayers. I remember you before God. And he's saying, not only that, I would really love you to be here. I want you, you are wanted. And when you're told that you're wanted, there's something about value in that. Because when we're feeling alone, when we feel despondent, we don't feel valuable, we don't feel wanted, we don't feel of any worth. And in this opportunity, Paul is saying to Timothy, no, I want you. And I wonder, when we're thinking about running together, when we think about that encouragement, it can mean a lot when someone tells you, I'm praying for you. And I don't know about you, but I don't get many people come to me and say, you know what, I'm praying for you. And it, that's, it's a bit of a sad thing. And maybe that's because no one's praying for me. Well, my encouragement is, if you're praying for somebody, tell them you're praying for them. Because actually, it's great that you are, you're praying for someone, but if they don't know it, you're, we're missing something. We're missing an encouragement. Because what you're saying is, I am working on your behalf before God. I'm interceding for you, I'm with you. And you know what? If you tell someone that, that's an encouragement. Because sometimes you're going through it, you feel alone, you feel like nobody gets me, no one's with me. And yet, if someone came up to you and said, you know what? I'm praying for you. I'm with you. I'm working on your behalf. 
in the spiritual realms. That's a real encouragement. And so my first encouragement to us is if you are praying for somebody, tell them. Tell them. And maybe you're thinking, I'm, I'm not really praying for anyone. And you kind of look, you know, you feel like, oops, I know I kind of should be. You know, this is the Christian thing to do. I need to be praying for people. If, you're, if you feel that way and you think, I'm not praying for someone, then ask God about it and say, God, who should I be praying for? Because it's hard to pray for everyone. Like maybe you can say a little prayer for everyone. But I'm talking about who's the person that God's saying, you need to lift this person up. You need to work for this person in the spiritual realms. And maybe if you, God puts someone on your heart, go to that person and say, I'm going to be praying for you. Because when we speak it out, it's a, we make a commitment to do it as well. I'm always hesitant when people say, pray for me. And I, cause, you know, we do it on WhatsApp and everyone puts these emoji hands of praying and hands and love hearts and all these things. And, and I'm very conscious that sometimes like, I don't want to do that because I'm, I'm probably not going to be praying for you. So we can be very much in this habit of saying, oh yeah, I pray for you, I pray for you. But we need to be real in that. Not just have words of, you know what, I'm thinking of you, I hope, hope it all goes well. But if we're saying I'm praying for you, then we need to pray for someone. And so I encourage you to do that. Equally, if you feel, if by the end of this week, no one's come to you and said, I'm praying for you, then I want you to find somebody who you know loves you and say, will you pray for me? Be the initiator, saying, I need prayer. I need prayer. You know, I need people who are working on my behalf before the Lord. And so if you need that, if, you, if no one comes to you and says, I'm praying for you, go and find somebody who you know loves you and say, will you pray for me? Because we need to be, John talked just about that dynamic of church, that dynamic of family, and we need to be praying for one another. We need to be uplifting each other, encouraging one another. We need to be there for each other. And so I encourage you to do that just as Paul was doing that for Timothy. Amen? Amen. Good. Let's read on verse 5. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know, sometimes, again, when we're going through these flagging times, we need to be reminded of who we are. I don't know about you, but, you know, there's times, even recently, that you, you, go, you, you doubt. And I don't know how far your doubt might go. There are points where maybe you think, I don't know if I'm even a Christian. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if God's even real. I don't know if God even loves me. I don't know if I even love God. I don't know many things. And you can go through all these doubts in your mind and and you can feel a bit of a failure. You can feel a bit of a a lost in these things. And I think there's points where people... Again, in all these things, you know, you can do it yourself. You can tell yourself these things, which you should. 
You know, we can have Holy Spirit tell us these things, which he will. But also, we can tell each other these things. And sometimes it's needed for someone to come along and say, you know what, you are a person of faith. <coughs> and tell you, you are a person of faith, because I've seen it, and I had a point, even, it was about maybe a year ago, and I was just having some doubts. And I expressed these to a friend, and he said, what? No way. You are a man of God. Because I've seen it all through your life. Because sometimes in that moment, your feelings are telling you differently to the truth and the reality. Your feelings are saying, you know what? You're just a failure. You're nothing. God's not interested. All these things that might come out. And sometimes it takes someone else to come along and say, you know what? No, I, I see you. You're a man of God. That's your identity. Your feeling might be something different to your identity. And there's a reminder there. Because sometimes we can't, in that moment, we can't see beyond our own feelings. We're so overwhelmed by something that we can't see beyond it. And somebody else might be able to see the thing that we're missing. And so sometimes it's really important to encourage people about where they've come from. Because he's saying, because again, if you'd asked Timothy and said, you know what, you know your grandmother, your mother, they, they were women of faith, weren't they? And he'd be like, yeah, they were great women of faith. And Paul's like, and I see you the same. You are the same. And Paul, Timothy might have been in that moment be like, me? I'm just like barely struggling to stay, stay above the surface. I'm barely, you know, struggling to get through the day. And I'm a failure. I'm leading this church really badly and all things are going really bad. And no one listens to me. They all think I'm young and no one gives me respect. And he's like, no, you're a man of faith. The same faith that I saw in your mother and your grandmother. Be encouraged. Sometimes we need a shot of God's reality and not just what we're feeling in that moment. You know what? You, you cannot feel your way into good belief. You cannot feel your way into good belief. If you're waiting for feelings to lead you into right thinking, you're not going to get there. You need to believe your way into good feelings. And not that it's about good feelings. I hope you get what I mean here. Belief leads to good feelings. Belief leads to life. If we get it around the wrong way, if, you, if you're allowing your feelings to determine your belief, your belief is going to be all over the place. We need to have it around the other way, where our belief influences our feelings. And if it's a belief in the good thing, then it will be good feelings. It's interesting that Paul says to Timothy to fan into flame the gift because, again, when we're going through difficulty, we can come and we can feel like, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to give. I'm of no worth. You know, John was saying, you know, if you're not here, we miss out. As a church, we miss out. And it's really hard sometimes to know just by one person not being here, how does everyone miss out? Because naturally speaking, that doesn't particularly make sense unless it's the speaker who doesn't turn up or the leader maybe who doesn't turn up or the PA, you know, important bit, <laughs> or the cup of tea. You know, these things maybe are more noticeable when someone doesn't turn up. And you might think, oh, you know, I just sit there, I don't do much, I don't even pray out, I don't even sing very well, you know, I kind of keep quiet, I don't really talk to me. But if you're not here, 
in the body that Christ has added, added you to, then you miss out. And sometimes when we feel we have nothing to give, and sometimes our, our gift can fall idle. And I know there are times in my life where I, I'm very aware of the gift that God has placed upon me. I, I'm aware of the calling, and, 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 but it's fallen idle. And now some of you here today, you're like, yeah, I, I, know, I know God's told me that I'm a prophet. I know God's told me that I've got a gift of healing. I know God's told me I'm a teacher. I'm, and you can go on and on. I know God's told me that I have the gift of helps and I'm supposed to serve. And, or the gift of giving and I'm supposed to give. And we've allowed our gift to go idle. Because again, we've, we've got to this place where we've just got a bit jaded, we've got a bit tired, and we're flagging. And the gift is like, oh, I, just, I just can't be bothered with that today. And God's saying, we need to fan into flame the gift. And you can picture those coals on the fire that have just gone a bit cold. There's still kind of, there's some embers there. And again, you know it's in you. You know that gift's in you. But it's kind of just got there and it's like, okay, let's begin to stoke this a bit. Let's begin to fan this into flame. And you know what? One of the greatest ways of doing that, one, you have to acknowledge that, you know what, even again, even though I don't feel like it, and I had this with healing, you know, I believe God has called me to, with a gift of healing. And there are times when you think, God, I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't, I just can't be bothered. I can't be bothered because I've prayed for some people and they didn't get healed. And I don't know what's going on. It's safer for me not to do it. Because when I do it, I'm putting myself out there and I feel vulnerable and I feel like, and then it doesn't happen. And you think, I just, can I just curl up and just be safe and secure in my little ball? And, but God say, no, you've got to fan it into flame. And so you've got to accept the call of God on you, and you have to do it. You know, with running, I, I don't feel like running normally. There's the odd day where I'm like, it's a beautiful day outside, I'm going for a run, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this. But more often than not, particularly like yesterday, Saturday morning, I was like, um, I just want to stay in bed. And we can feel that spiritually. And so what you have to do is just do it. You know, you've got to throw the bed covers off. You have to get your shoes on, bleary-eyed. You have to get in, for me, get in the car, get to there. Because until you get yourself in the position you do it, it's never going to happen. Actually, at the end, you're like, oh, that was, that was good, actually. Or maybe even the first time, it didn't feel good. You know, you've got to accept that. Sometimes you're going to step out and maybe you're like, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach. And you do it and you think, that was terrible. And God says, okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Or you go for a prophecy and you say, does this word mean anything to you? And the person said, no, nothing, not at all. You do it again. You know, it's our, it's our faithfulness and our response in obedience to what God is calling. Let's go to verse eight. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but sharing suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, if you remember that 
Paul was in prison. And Paul, Paul gets in prison quite a lot. And a lot of people don't like Paul. And it gets to the point almost where it's like, oh, Paul's in prison. And, and I'm supposed to be his spiritual son. And therefore, if people don't like Paul, they don't like me. And, you know, and if I, if I hold on to this, then people think badly of me. And it seemed like Timothy, even by association, may have been getting some flack because of Paul. Um, and you know what? Sometimes, again, when we're struggling, you know, it's hard to be like, yes, Jesus. You know, when everything's going good and you get some miracle breakthrough, when there's, you know, there's great provision that comes, or, you know, like I've got a parking space, amen. You know, wonderful things are happening in your life. And you're like, isn't God good? And everyone's like, yeah, God's good. But there's other times you're like, you're just like, I don't know what God's doing. Can I just hide a little bit? And you want to shrink down and, and you don't feel like coming out and saying, isn't God good, even though I'm really struggling? Even though I don't know where my bills are going to get paid? You know, in those moments, now we might not say it that we're ashamed of the gospel, but that's the temptation to be like, I'm not going to proclaim it like I proclaim it when everything's going good. And so our temptation is to just kind of, let me just keep my mouth shut for a bit. And again, they've been going through this time, this struggling. And maybe Timothy is like, it doesn't, the good news doesn't feel good right now. You know, if, if you ever think about going to witness to people and it's like, yeah, come and know Jesus because, you know, you have to deny everything. You have to take up your cross. You have to die daily. And it's a struggle. You should do this. It's like, this isn't the gospel. That doesn't sound like good news. But when we miss the fact that actually by doing those things, it brings us into wonderful life, then if we don't remember those things, we're going to struggle. Our challenge is to continue to glorify God in all things. And our hope as a church that we don't feel like we have to come and just be like, give praise because everything's perfect. Everything's as we expect. And I know I mentioned something last week about authenticity. And I really hope that God's going to bring us into greater authenticity as a church where we can come with our brokenness and say, you know what, I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm going to continue to follow God. I'm going to continue to praise him, even though I'm hurting, even though I, I feel lost. In verse 9 it says, obviously, of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been made, has, sorry, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Again, when we're in these positions of difficulty, it's really important that we remember God's work. Because in this moment, he said, you know, it was God who saved you. And it is God who has called you. So we're remembering, when we're in this difficulty, you know what, you've been saved. 
You've been saved. Don't forget it. You've been saved. And you've been called to something. But how? And he says, not because of our works. And this is a danger that when we get into this place, it does become all about us. And your relationship with God comes, becomes defined by those things, by our works. Now, if you give me a bit of license, I'd like to change the word works to what you do. And that can be for good or for bad. And so I know those times when I define my relationship with God by the bad things that I do. So I say, God, I've sinned. And everything in that relationship is about that. And it's all about me and what I've done. And I know there are times when you want to run from God, you want to hide from God because of what you've done. And this is not to belittle sin and it's not to belittle our need to kind of face that. But you know what? There's more to God than that. There's more to your relationship to God than that. And I know that there are probably people who are not here today because they can't face God because of what they've done. Or maybe you made it and you scraped through the door and you thought, I can just sit quietly and hide because you know what, I've had a really bad week. But he's saying, just, just let me remind you, I, I saved you. Not because of anything you've done. And I called you. And your calling is based upon my purpose, not based on what you've done. And again, this is for good as well. Because sometimes we can come and go, God, I've been well good this week. You're going to do great things through me. And I, I've, I've been in that where I was like, God, you know what? I've been really good for a really long time. I've been like doing all the stuff I'm supposed to do. God, you should be blessing me loads. You should be like, you know, when I pray for people, they should be healed, you know, miracles happening because I've been doing really good. And God's like, it's not about you. It's not about how good you do or how bad you do. It's about my call and my purpose. And again, so when we get in that place, the, the temptation is it becomes about us. It becomes all about me. And because, you know, because I've messed up, I'm not going to come to God. And God's, I just feel, and again, maybe this is how God needs to deal with me, but sometimes God's like, let's just get back on it. Let's just get on it. It's like, stop dwelling in your self-pity. Let's stop dwelling in your, oh, aren't you bad? Aren't I terrible? All these kind of feelings. It's like, let's just get, I've got a purpose for you, and let's just get on with that. Because the other side of it is once you focus on that, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, but once you focus on what God's done, what God's call is, the other stuff, it takes care of itself. Because when you're like, oh, okay, God, I'm going to keep on doing, you're like, yeah, God, I, I am, I'm really sorry about that and I don't want to do that. Repentance comes naturally when you focus on God. It doesn't come naturally when you focus on yourself. So focus on what God has done. Because right focus brings right life. And this is a trouble. We, we begin to lose our focus and we forget what Christ has done. Because it says he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He's done it. He's, he's done the work and we need to keep our alignment. You remember Peter when he got out of the boat? 
He needs to focus. It says in verse 12, and this is Paul's example. It's talking about the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Now remember, this is a man who's possibly chained up in prison. But his chains do not define his identity. It's often said of Paul, when he's in prison, he's the only free person there. Even though he was in chains in prison, he was like, no, I am appointed as a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. And so even in prison, he didn't get despondent and become full of self-pity, but he said, no, I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to write to Timothy. I'm going to write to all these other people and encourage them to pursue the calling of God in their life. He continued outworking his purpose in the difficult situation he was in, rather than just go, oh, I'm in prison. So easy to do. It's so easy to become consumed with yourself and forget that God has given you a holy calling. Not just a calling, it's a holy calling. It says, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. You know, for Paul, his example was based on who he has believed. We need to know who, you, who we have believed. Because in that situation, what are you believing? In your difficulty, what are you believing? Who are you looking to for truth? Know who it is that you're going to believe. Again, that's your focus. If you're in difficulty, who am I going to focus on? Who am I going to listen to? Who am I going to fill my thoughts with? Know that the person you need to be focused on is Christ Jesus and fill your mind with him. And know what he can do. That I know that in all my difficulty, I know that he can keep me. Because I hope that's good news for someone here today because you know what? In the difficult situation you're in, who is going to keep you? When you feel like you're drowning, who is going to keep you? Because I know that I've been in positions even recently, I'm like, I don't see a way out. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know the answer to my situation. Who is going to keep me? Because I know that if it's down to me, oh man, we're in trouble. If it's down to you, maybe that's more trouble. I don't know. But if it's down to Jesus, I've got a hope. Because I know that he holds the, the, the universe in his hands. I know he commands the wind and the waves and they obey him. Focus. Keep your focus on him. He will, he will guard you. And then verse 13 and 14. It says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So this is our response. Follow the pattern. Because Paul's like, I've just told you what to do. I've just told you what to think. You need to follow it. And I know often in life, again, maybe this is just me, but I know what to do. It's just the doing of it is the problem. 
He's like, follow the pattern. You know, if you want to get to here, you know what you've got to do. And sometimes it is just that first step, as I said, just getting out of bed. And maybe that's a metaphorical thing or maybe it's a literal thing. Because sometimes if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling down, you just want to stay in bed. And sometimes the first step is just get out, have a shower, you know, refresh yourself, have a, if you need to have a coffee or a tea, whatever it might be. But move. Because if you just stay where you are, you will just stew and fester. Sometimes you've got to move, just do something. And often I think if you've been in faith for any time, you know what you need to do. And for some people, it's like, I just need to get to church. I just need to get there. I don't know what I'm going to do once I'm there. I just need to get there. I just need to phone someone. I don't know what I'm going to say to them when I phone them. I just got to say, hi, and, and see what God's going to do. I just need to do something. I've got to move and get moving. Follow the pattern. And then he says, God, the good deposit entrusted to you. Because there's something about, I couldn't quite quantify what, what it is, but there's something in you that is precious. And maybe if I thought a bit more about it, I'll come up with a good answer. But there's something about, you know, it's just, it's your relationship, I guess, as I think of it. It's just your relationship with God. You need to guard it. If you think about your relationship with any person, it needs to be guarded. If you think about a marriage relationship, you need to guard that relationship in order for it to flourish. Because if you're loose with it, it dies. If you're callous with it, it dies. If you guard it, if you nourish it, it flourishes. And that's the same as our relationship with God. And so there's just a few things to remind us on how we do this. Don't get drawn away. By this I mean remember your calling. Because too often we, we've given our life to God, we, we've, we've responded in excitement, maybe in faith, and even knowing the gift and the calling of God upon our lives, and then other stuff happens. You know, work happens. Family happens. It's all going to happen, and you know what? It's going to continue to happen till you die. And sometimes we're waiting for the moment it stops happening. It's not going to come. Just to let you know, it's not going to come. So if you're waiting for something to change like that, before you do the thing that God's calling you to do, you're never going to do the thing that God's calling you to do. You just got to get on with it. I can't put it any more bluntly. Maybe I could put it a bit more nicely. But, um, but these things will draw us away. They will just bring us into a place of compromise and then suddenly we realise, oh, you know what, I'm not focused. You know, I've gone through change recently. Um, I've changed my job. Um, and I've, I'm doing, you know, things have been different. And it's, it's easy to then get drawn into that, a different thing. And your focus becomes about that. You know, we've been having an extension on our house. And, you know, it, it consumes your mind because you're always thinking about taps and tiles and flooring and bricks and paint. And, you know, and it's so easy for these things to consume your mind. You forget the holy calling that Christ has called you to. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God. So don't get drawn away. Be reminded of truth. 
You've got to remind yourself of the truth of what God is saying about you, of who you are, the work he's done in you and the work he's done, he's done and he's doing. I think the thing that's really struck me as well is you need to be around people who are going to remind you of the truth as well. I really, like, over the, the past year particularly, I'll be honest with you, I've, because of different reasons, transitions and all that, I, I've not been part of a group in the church, which is really bad because I'm a leader in the church. And I, I realise I've suffered because of it. And it's not because, I be, and, and I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, I'm not going because I expect people to teach me stuff. But I need to go because I need people to remind me of the things of God. And we can all do that. And I encourage you, just as I'm encouraging myself, get plugged in somewhere. The third thing, and I, I, I wonder, I, it's kind of a sub word, but I wonder if this is a word just for the church at this time, and it was to hold fast. You know, hold fast. It's a bit of a shipping term, but it's kind of like the idea of when you're going through it, hold on, hold tight. And as a church, we go, John mentioned the elephant in the room, you know what? We're going through something as a church. There's turbulence, there's unknown, and it's, we'll be praying for Ruby to go, and, and it's sad, and there's other people who are going, and it's sad, and there's, particularly if you're, John and I have sat there, and we say, what's going on? I'll be honest with you, it's like, anyone else want to leave? But there's a part where the uncertainty of a situation can destabilise your walk with God. And you start looking, just like Peter walking on that water, you start looking at the wind and the waves rather than saying, okay, this is chaos. I don't understand this, but I'm going to keep my focus on Christ. Because I don't know the answer. I don't know, but God knows. Keep listening to say, God, what are you saying? Because again, we don't want to be like, it's all right, God's doing it, and we blinker ourselves to reality of maybe something you're doing that's wrong. But he's saying, God, keep me focused on you. What is the answer? What are you wanting to do? How do you want me to respond in this situation? And so hold fast. And there are seasons where you just got to hold on. And God brings us through something into something else. And my prayer is that's where we're at as a church now. That, yeah, it's tricky. It's rocky. You know, the wind in the waves might be battering us. But hold on and see where God brings us through to. And the last thing, again, maybe I've already said this, focus on Christ, not on yourself. Don't put your trust in yourself. Don't put your trust in somebody else. But make sure your focus is on him. Because even, you know what, when you're like, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to go, my life is chaos, my life is a mess, I'm flagging, I'm struggling, I'm disheartened, I'm disillusioned, I'm despairing, I've got no energy, I've got nothing. If your focus is on Jesus, he will bring you through. And maybe... And, and maybe we want the answer. What's this? What's this? What, how am I going to do this? And maybe there isn't an answer forthcoming. But the only thing I can say to you is keep your focus. 
And if there's things that are drawing you away, cast them aside. Sometimes we have to be ruthless and say, okay, let me return to the pattern that I know. And again, don't do this alone. Bring people in. As I said at the beginning, say, will you pray for me? I'm struggling, you know? And let's not see that as a terrible thing because we all struggle at times. You know, you might say to someone, I've, lo- I've lost my way. I don't really know why. Will you just stand with me so I can find my way back? Don't be afraid of doing that because that, we want to get back on that path that God has for us. So let's just close our eyes and let's just ask God to come and just minister to our, our, our spirit. Lord, we ask that you would come and just touch the deep places within us, those places that, where we want to give up. Lord, where we don't have the strength, where we're flagging. Lord, and we know, Lord, that you are calling us up higher. Lord, we, we read where it says that we can rise up on wings like eagles. Lord, but we feel like we're more like a slug just sliding on the ground. Holy Spirit, will you come and refresh us today? Will you come and restore us? Lord, may you set our foot on the right path right now that as as we finish here today, that that next step will lead us on the right path. We're not going to get to the goal today, but we can start the right journey. Lord, will you lead us on that now? Lead us to the right people that we need to do this with. Those who are going to encourage us, those who are going to pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you have saved us. I thank you that you have called us. And may your truth and your reality be the the forefront of our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen.